Here's Manny. <laughs> and there's Jim across the boardroom table Saturday morning in, in the nice sunlight, cloudy, overcast, crappy cold day. Coming, and you said it's going to be what? Minus 40 tonight. Minus 40 today, tonight in, in Toronto, Canada. And I got to say, I got to give a shout out, man, to the trades, the hardworking trades that work outside, Working man. Stuff. Framers, roofers, concrete guys, guys, bundle up, stay warm. Look for those hot spots. I feel for you guys. I feel for yeah. you, man. Stay warm. I know there's been cold for like two weeks now, man. And well, it hasn't been that cold. It's been the coldest for this year. It, it's been a winter. It's been a yeah. typical Canadian winter, right? Guys, stay warm. Today, so it's just Jim and I again. We had a guest, but then it was a last-minute kind of cancellation. Something going on, so hopefully everything all turns out better. But uh, we'll definitely get the guest back on. And today is going to be a little Jim and Manny Q&A. Yeah, let's do that. I like that. No, We've got let's... a bunch of questions that came in. Thank you very much, guys, for sending in the questions. So we're going to bring up the question. We're going to discuss the question and then go from there. Right off the bat, so you can find Jim at at Jim Carrick on Instagram. Yep. And at Carrick Hall Construction. Yep. And then myself at Hardcore Reynolds. And I want to say uh, there's been a few guys that have reached out to me for stickers. Uh, a couple of guys in California and the rest of them here in Toronto, I think. One in Vancouver. Sweet. Continue reaching out to me and I will mail you guys stickers so you guys can slap them on and then do a little post and shout out to us. And that'd be great, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. So uh, let's get going with uh, question number one there, Jim. Q&A. <laughs> okay, right off the bat. So... At i.westminster.purcell, he asks, he would love to hear our thoughts on the state of the Red Seal carpentry courses offered across the country, in particular, what they can do better to increase the level of knowledge skill once Red Seal is achieved. Let's get right into the Red Seal. All right. Well, yeah, I think you and I discussed this just not long ago. And I think, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes here or anything like that. And when I say that, it, like unions, you know, let's just say, for, you know, carpenters union. When you go and you start your apprenticeship with them, usually you're kind of stuck just doing forming and pigeonhole you. Yeah, I, th I think so. And that's usually been the complaint of, you know, a lot of guys that have left and then have come over to the custom side. You know, that's why they left because they wanted to, you know, up their skill level. Right. So why do you think they do that? I don't know. I don't know. I just think that's that's where the work is. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with forming. I mean, no. but if you want to increase your skill level, you know, you know, to framing, to finish carpentry, to to all that. I I I just don't think when you join like a huge union like that that you're going to get that. You know, the fine the finer part of and I, and I know I'm just sticking with with carpentry here, yeah. Uh, because carpentry, let's just face it, there is you know there's forming, there's framing, there's finishing, yep. There's cabinetry. I mean, a lot of the other trades, it's just a trade, right? And you know, when what it I mean? gets like, into that one, right? Yeah. I mean, plumbing's plumbing. Like, but what do they do in school? Do they like? I I get the sense because I'm not a red seal, but I get the sense that they want to focus just on one or two, if that. Because no, I think this is where they have the problem. With, is in school. So they need then, to expand it? Right. Yeah, you know, because, you know, the, some of that, again, this is just some of the complaints from, um, and not even complaints, just 
the, the younger contractors or the younger carpenters say that, you know, when we go to school doing our basic, intermediate, and then advanced, that all we really know is forming, and then we don't get to do this other stuff. It's a little tougher for them, right? Am I fair to say, Jim, like, I can't, I've said this more than once, construction is such a dinosaur. Out of all the industries out there, we're probably the last to adopt anything new. And I get the sense that when it comes to education of construction, they stick with the old school way of doing things. And I, and I would love to see more guys embrace new school ways of doing things, trying new ideas, new yeah. options. But I mean, are there anybody out there that, that are doing that or uh, other countries? I don't know if it's happening in North America. Yeah, I, yeah you know what? I, I, I don't know. And then, But here's, you know, just going back, to the union, I you know, hats off to the unions because yeah, for they, sure because they are the ones that are still pushing the trades. Yeah, and I th I think it's a it's our own education system that isn't up to par, like you're saying. But we should bring it up to par. Well, we should, right? How I do we mean, do that though? Yeah, well, this is it again. You know, you got to sit down and get you know the university and colleges to to open up their ears and say, here, this is what is needed, right? Yeah, but I mean, I was also a little surprised when I was talking to some George Brown students and, and they would tell me that, I, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, like you would have a certain number of uh, students in each class. By the first term, it's more than 50% of the students are gone. They've just said, forget it, it's not for me, I'm out of here. But then you still got to carry that course load for the rest of the year for that fraction of the class. And wouldn't it make more sense to maybe filter that class before you got to that stage? So then you got a bigger class, a fuller class, and you ended with a fuller class? I get, <laughs> so I guess you can look at it a couple of ways. Hmm. Is, you know, maybe these young guys are going in there thinking they're going to like it. I know when I went in, I was already an apprentice. I knew I wanted You knew to, what you were getting into. I knew what I wanted to do and, and whatever they were going to throw at me, I was going to do it because I was going to finish my apprenticeship, period. I think the whole apprenticeship, the whole construction education has changed where you can just go and sign up at George Brown and I want this course because the courses have been changed from when I was going. You know, you have renovation kind of 101, which really doesn't give you anything. You're not going to get a red seal on anything. No. You're just going to get some knowledge of what you should do. You get a little bit of everything. So I don't know. So that, just the basics there. It's just the basics. So I don't know. Is that but you really, can get that by shadowing a GC. You'd a get month. more probably yeah. out of them by shadowing a, you know, a, a, a carpenter or a plumber or, or whatever trade you want. So should we get these guys who are going through the Red Seal program, should we get them to be a little like a questionnaire, a more detailed questionnaire to actually let them know where they, where they potentially can go? Instead, you know, like would that help? But again, uh, yeah, I guess it would help. But again, like, how do you how do you do that? I mean, I, I keep jumping on carpentry because there's so many different aspects to it, right? Plumbing is plumbing. I mean, there's commercial plumbing and there's residential plumbing. Pretty much the same. You, you know, remember? I probably get shit on for saying that, but it's you know, <laughs> I mean, when you get into residential, it's more it, you got to have a little more finesse and it, you know because you got to do the finishing and everything else. Both are important, by the way. Both are important, <laughs> exactly. But again, I just keep going back to carpentry. You've got you, you need forming, you need framing, 
everything to do with framing is inside of forming. Everything to do with forming is inside of framing. They're kind of overwhelmed, like interwoven, right? right? Yeah. You know the story of Will Gunnell, right? How he got started when he was here in Canada and he literally went to every job site and just asked, asked, can I just be on this job site? Wouldn't yeah. it make more sense if these kids before they started their Red Seal maybe did that, went around and asked. But the problem that Will had was nobody would give him the time, time of day. day. Right. He only found one. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's the industry, too. We need to open up our arms and let these kids come in and let them discover, okay, do I like this or don't I like this? Or where do I want to go from here? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be great? I went, through, great. I went through five kids already. We have a school, high school here that every summer they, you know, co-op, co-op, co-op. Yeah. We keep doing and what, it. what happened? Like, they, all just, f- they, just, they, they, they just can't do it. Did any of them stay in construction? One guy, that one, but he, he didn't come with us. We got him into, uh, I pushed him forward to one of our electricians. And he's the only one that is actually, he's a third year now, third year, fourth so year. So one in four that you experienced. Yeah. Everybody that comes in that wants to be a carpenter or something like that, they, they just don't do it. They just lose the interest, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, or, I, or it's just not there. And again, I go back to the education system like you know the guidance counselors sat right in that chair actually no he didn't say the kid sat in the chair the guidance counselor called me you know over the past three years given it and I said okay so you know you know the track record man like it's it's not good and the only guy that worked out was Jonathan the electrician and I said he's you know he's worked out great for our electrician but I said the other guys you've sent me just don't. So, so where's I, the so disconnect? I, bl- I blame that on again. But they're high school students. What are yeah, they teach? What are they teaching them? But like I don't know. Is it maybe you go, we got to go back to? The, I think the, it's the high school competition. I think what's you know okay. So I don't know what's a class in my day. The classroom size was what twenty or so like that. Maybe twenty five kids in a classroom size. Yeah, 20, back in yeah, twenty. So, so I'm thinking 30. out of that classroom back in that day, maybe two were interested in construction. So this would have been the eighties for me, right? Yeah. And so today, in a classroom, what do you think? How many kids in a classroom is interested in construction? I don't think anybody's interested in construction until they're finished school. Then they start considering construction. Yeah, because they can't get in what they actually wanted. I kind of blame the competition because all their friends are either going into IT, into accounting, into whatever, all kinds of stuff. And then also you have the rash of... All the social media influencers, they all want to, like I was just reading today, some girl who just made $4 million when she was 16 years old on a TikTok video. So why would you get into construction when you have the potential? But I mean, that's one girl out of millions of girls that are trying to get to that. And I've always said that. But when did she do She actually started that years ago. No, no, she started years ago, but she's still a teenager and she's making that kind of money. But she, there's a lot of bit of luck on that. But I think that the competition in the classroom is what's persuading these kids that really want to get into construction to maybe not get into construction, or they maybe get into the wrong segment of construction. Like you said, they start at one, right. lose interest, and then they maybe lose interest and leave the industry. Well, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I started out to be, I start. I wanted to be an electrician. Okay. And I was, you know, I was at Western where we were at the school and you know, I did a couple months of that and I said, you know, it's, it's not, not my thing. So I switched over and, Got an HVAC, and that's, uh, I just like banging the shit out of metal, metal man. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that stuck for 15 years, and then I just moved on to the rest. So I think, so I think it's a piece of every piece of the path 
needs to be kind of addressed. Yeah, I think the I think it, I think the whole construction trade education needs to be, you know, have grabbed by the shoulders and have it you know, a good shake and let's let's revamp this thing. When was the last time that happened? I don't think it's ever. I don't think it's ever happened. So it's time to kind of read. Yeah. Because I think there's, like you've seen it, there's lots of guys and girls that are passionate about construction. Yeah. And maybe if they started sooner, can you imagine where the industry would be now? Yeah. If they started sooner and they were motivated sooner. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they got to get it. You got to see that you, you know, if you're good with your hands. But that only starts when you're in grade seven, grade eight. That's yeah. when we started. Yeah. You know, maybe even earlier. I mean, you can tell when you look at these. I mean, I look at my little grandkids and they're banging shit and building shit. And, you know, they're five, six years old. You can already see where their head <laughs> is going because they like it. And then you hope that, okay, you, I mean, I hope that, you know, my little six-year-old grandson, that he's going to, I mean, I bought him a little tool thing, a little all that tool shit. And <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so hopefully he'll be able to, you know, move so on with it. Someone sent me a post. I can't remember his name, but he was sending me a post of it. I think it was his kid that was building a little Ford out of dry core panels. Awesome. Uh, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool, man. At i.westminster.purcell. Thank you very much for that question. So we're moving along. At pardly underscore woodworking. Kevin. He asks, uh, how about a discussion on how to still provide quality to clients and be financially viable for the contractor tradesperson while working within budget constraints? Which areas are best to target to find cost savings that make the project work? I'm talking about more along the lines of small to mid-sized renovations than a full build. Basically finding that line of balancing using cost-effective cheaper materials and finding ways to make labor costs less, not cheaper, but less man hours. I guess I'm dealing with the client expectations would be part of this also. That's probably a lot more than one question. So how do we build? That's the whole industry right there. That's man. basically it. Yeah. So how do I've always said, okay, listen, there's expensive materials and then there's less expensive materials and then there's really cheap materials it depends on the tradesperson working with them and how they do it and how it's going to work that's going to make it work but i have also there's a balance like sometimes really cheap materials cost more cost labor more hours right? yeah and then more expensive materials cost less labor hours so you've got to i've always said don't don't ever look at an individual line item costs on the budget whether it's material or, or labor look at the overall scope of the work that you're going to do and figure out what is that magic number in the end because if you save man hours using a more expensive item, maybe go that route. I so. think it still comes down to the triangle. Choose two. So Choose pick two, two of them. Yeah, service, quality, or money. So you would attack that for every detail. So let's just say, okay, argument's sake, we're doing a bathroom remodel. And now you have your choices. So you got to figure out how do we do the shower? How do we do the flooring? How do we do the tiling? How do we do all that stuff? And you do the same thing. Just choose two. Figure out how to tackle each one. I think with, you know, you just said it. Like if you're using quality materials, sometimes it, it's less labor. Yeah. Right. And then I, I think in this, you know, equation here, I think you also got to put in and think about callbacks. Even though you may not get a callback, or usually you would, you may get a callback. So you have to think about that too. You spend a little more, a little more labor, you know, better materials. 
if you don't get a call back, as far as I'm concerned, that's brilliant. You, it is less money. It is. It's done faster. It's done right. And there's no callbacks and you have a happy client, which means more business. I know that recently I started adopting LSLs for showers. Right. And we all know LSLs today are three times the cost. Yep. So, I mean, you're paying $7 for a two by four. You're easily going to pay 21 to $22 for an LSL. Yeah. But if you got a tile setter and the client's chosen large format tile, if not slabs, that tile setter is going to be really happy and possibly give you a very good rate because he saw the LSLs and he's yeah. maybe came by and looked at everything and it was actually true and plumb, which means that he'll install faster, which means he can give you a better price because they charge per installation. Yep. So I guess you're right. It's like, like start looking at every single little detail, see where you can save on labor hours compared to using more expensive or vice versa, use less expensive material and what the labor expense is going to be attached to that. Right. We all want to try to get in so we can finish and get it done. The whole objective of every, every single tradesperson is to actually get in, do a and great job out. and then get out yeah. without any callbacks. We don't like callbacks. So then we might as well, what would you do, Jim? Would you use the more expensive and then less man, man hours or the other way around? Yeah, you know what? In the last five years, we just, I'll just take tiling and, and uh, showers and all that stuff. We just go completely right to the Schluter system and done. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, years ago, I, I, I couldn't get my head around it. You know, why am I paying, you know, extra couple hundred dollars for this? After we just got into the whole thing of just getting it, using it, it's part of our budget already. It's brilliant. I've, I've, there's nothing leaks, right? You go with the old kind of rubber membrane and you know, dry pack, dry pack, holes. you know, this, that, you know, you're usually it doesn't leak, but in time it may. Again, I just think it boils down to using the, you know, using great materials, obviously having great tradespeople. And it's like you said, you know, it's, it'll, it'll go a lot faster, but you also have the client, which, uh, which was mentioned, and because they they're can, conscious they, of that. Well, uh, number one, they can they can either break, make or break your job. But they'll come in and go. I'm, I was looking at this thirty inch by thirty inch six mil porcelain tile, and I want to install it in the bathroom. Yeah. But we're dealing with a hundred year old house, and and you haven't factored in your pricing that you had to either sister every single stud, every yeah. single joist to actually make it perfect. Otherwise, this is going to be a nightmare. And then you're going to have major buildup, and then your tile setter. So yeah, you got to like literally think about. I I know recently too that I'm very interested in doing full glue down and nail down if I can hardwood flooring. Mm -hmm. It guarantees that you will never get a squeak. So there's a little bit extra cost there to do that. I would never say you would never you would well, not, guarantee, right? There's a closer chance right. of not getting Get, any right. squeaks at yeah. all, right? Because now you're doing both versions yeah. where, and especially the wider the board, you definitely got to consider full yeah. glue. Because usually the squeak will come from, if you're doing a renovation, just an old common nail, which is smooth, up going up and down, up and down, or the old floor joist going against a... That's know. all. It's not actually the yeah. floor. It's not the finished flooring. No. It's a substructure. Yeah. I guess it's just a matter of you got to balance the three, whether there's a there's a triangle attached to every single detail, yeah. but there's also a balancing of the type of materials you use, the man hours or woman hours attached to it, yeah. and the client's expectations. 100%. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, I mean, I would throw the client in here as probably the wild card. Yeah. 
because they always have the greatest expectations. And then all of a sudden you have a budget to deal with. And I think this comes, you know, comes down to experience too. Like you, like you just said, you know, you're going into renovation and you, maybe you didn't allow to, for the LSLs, you know, it was too much money and the size of the tile. I think that's where experience comes. You're looking at an old hundred year old house and you're going to redo the bathroom. I think you've got to say that and say, look, yeah, I'm going to put up four by eight or a four by 12 brick style tile. That's all I can really do with this. If you want to go bigger, 12 by 24 or 24 by 36, then I'm going to have to redo all this. And they're going to chirp and say why, and but that's you got to explain why. Because but if just you because, bring it up at the beginning, right? I mean, putting a big tile down, everybody thinks you just slap it on. Like, oh, it's, it, it's a lot harder to do that and line up, line yeah. up the next one to make it proper. You yeah. can make it look like crap, but to make it proper for sure. So I think yeah, look, look through your whole budget and figure it out. And then I also know that he's. It's like we all price ourselves labor wise. Every tray will come in and they'll guesstimate yeah. how many hours it's going to take. And then this is what or my square price footage, is going to be. One or the other. Or square yeah. footage or whatever, but based on the installation of it, right? Yeah. So I just I think you got to have conversations with your, your tradespeople to figure out, well, listen, if I make your life a little bit easier, it's not going to take you a 10 labor hours. It's going right. to be a little bit less. So can we negotiate? I think it's a balancing act between all three of them. You it have is, that, and it has to be brought up. It has, it to, has to be brought Discuss up. it with the clients at the very beginning. When you're first assessing everything, discuss what the, the age of the house is, the situation, how it's all going to work. And then discuss labor hours attached to it. And then also discuss the option with your tradesperson. What if I do use slightly more expensive, better material? Will that offset the labor attached to it? Right. And it should, in theory, because you're making his or her life a little easier. Just explaining this, like talking like we are with your client right now across the table saying, you know, if you talk like that, with them, I think you got a better chance of even getting the job. Yeah. Because it sounds like you know what you're aware. you're doing, right? You're yeah. aware of it. Hey, look, you know, I don't know if this is what. No, I think I think it just shows number one, quality, but also that you you know what you're doing. You are a professional at it. So you're already foreseeing any kind of yeah. hiccups and this is where I want to get ahead of it so yeah. I can make your lives a lot easier. And, also, and, client and, you know, and, and, and and you should use that as a as a selling feature anyway. For Look, sure. You know what? For hey, sure. I don't know if the other guy notices in your other price, but you may want to check in the other quote if if he's covering that. But you know, I'm going to cover that. That's yeah. actually a good point because he could also say when you're presenting your numbers, go listen. I understand that my tile, for argument's sake, is maybe ten percent higher than competitors that are bidding on me. But here are the reasons why, right. and then list them. We use LSLs. We use Curdy. We use a different board, or like we're we're doing not the basics here. Yeah, and use allowances. Put a square footage number, like you know, here I've, I, your house is going to be three hundred square feet, at X amount of dollars. Yep, and and that's what you work with, and then you have something to fall back on when you're four hundred square feet. Go, just in case. Yeah, there it is. There. Just in case. So, Kevin, thank you very much for that question. And now we're moving on to Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith was a guest on the show way, way back when, and we used him as a, 
That's his alias because that's a building inspector and we don't want to uh, give up his name. So you used him. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Smith, he's an avid listener of ours. Hey, Manny and Jim, if you are gathering questions for your show, I would love to contribute. Thanks for putting together a great show. You're welcome. I am still really enjoying the episodes coming out. Great. As a contractor, you need to be knowledgeable about new products, your business and how to run a job site. But it often seems that when I point out a building code issue, I'm met with an argument or an excuse. I almost never receive a response that would suggest the person I am talking to knows the building code and how to apply it. Is building code knowledge really at the bottom of the list of things a contractor learns? And if so, why? Wouldn't that knowledge translate into less mistakes, less time and money spent fixing deficiencies? Mr. Question. It's a great question. You know, I would say <laughs> you're pretty bang on. You're it, right. It's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And I think most, you know, contractors, and, I, and I'll say maybe more of the older ones. Confrontational? Um, no. Well, yeah. And, but the or reason. Or they perceive the inspector as confrontational. They look at them, you know, probably not always as their friend. And it's unfortunate. But you put your guard up first and then that other person senses that your guard is up and then he puts his guard up. Right. Where does that get both of you? It doesn't get anybody anywhere. So what I like to do, and I, ha I, I don't do it all the time, but it, when I think of it, I mean, I can't do it with, with the COVID out, but usually once I start a job, I'll call the inspector up. Sometimes they'll come, sometimes they won't. And I'll say, is there any way you can just come out to the site? Well, I don't, what am I inspecting? I said, nothing. Me. Just me. <laughs> yeah. I just want, I just want to, I just want to kind of show you their process, how we're going to do this. And just so I can get to know, if I don't know them. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's a great opener. That's I think a great so, right? And then, you, then you know what I'm all about. Yeah. I did that with, with one um, inspector and she was great. Like she, she came out and, um, you know, we were doing like the net zero ready, even though it's not certified net zero ready. But I said, here, just so you understand how we're going to build this house. And when you come, you know, to do the framing inspection, this is what you're going to find on, on the outside and why we've done this. Now, it's over and above code, but just to kind of give you a heads up. Weren't those details already on the drawings? No. Oh, no, no, I took, no, we just. Because I found a lot of inspectors go, listen, where are the drawings? Let me look at the drawings. If yeah. it's not on the drawings, we have an issue. Yeah. Some will, but, you know, and, and, and going back to an answering Mr. Smith's question, <laughs> <laughs> that it works both ways. It does. And, you know, and if we're going above and beyond, then I think that should be. Don't top, treat you know, it like a magic trick. We're trying to. I'm not to hiding dazzle anything. you with yeah. some new techniques. Just, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, here I'm. Look at this is who I am. I build above standard, and this is my standard above standard. Hopefully, you'll get to know me and how I build because I'll see you again on the next one, and then we just oh yeah okay I know how you do it now and, and you understand it. But you know what? Yeah, there and I think going back to answering what I confrontation is. A lot of the a lot of the older contractors just look at the the building code as common sense. You know what I mean? Okay, it's common sense. I do it this way, so why yeah. wouldn't it be code? Yeah, right. 
And then when you're challenged, <laughs> then you don't like it, right? And that's usually where the confrontation But then also the building code sometimes is a little bit of a late adopter too because we have certain things that are approved in the national building code that are not approved right. in the provincial building code. Right. And then that's where I get into a little bit of a discussion, so to speak, right. about it. But then it always falls back on me because I have to abide by the provincial right. building code. So I'd like to put a question back to... To Mr. Sure, Smith, he'll get back to, to me. To Mr. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the building inspectors, you know, 99% of them I get along with. They're but great. There, but there's always the one that will challenge you on, on everything. And this is where I think, you know, where a lot, of, a lot of contractors, GCs, get their back up. And I don't know this for a fact. You know, I'll, the first one, I'll be the first one to say that I've said this out loud, that a lot of building the younger building inspectors are book smart. That's it. I agree. They're not on the site. They're not. And I guess the question is, don't you think, and you and I have said this before, do you not think that anybody is going to get in, you know, become a building inspector and they have really no construction and experience other than the book, other than the book, I think it, they they have to, they should be put with a contractor or somebody and learn about the trades. Learn learn how the whole thing works. Wouldn't you be open to that? Because I would be open to that if they want to come in shadow and be on our job sites. And I, you know what? I think it would make the whole relationship between building inspectors better. and contractors. Yeah, you know what? There's a, There's going to be a few contractors that are going to say, no fuck this, I'm not going to do that. I'd be one that would say, 100%, come. And look, I'll, I'll just show you how we do it. You know, at least you'll give you some come of the knowledge, right? Yeah. And, you know, hopefully there'll be other guys that will follow suit. I mean, even join, you know, like you don't have to join, you don't have to come and see a GC. You can go jump in with the, with the concrete guys. Yeah. Just shadow them for a couple of days. Aren't they legally, I don't know if legally is the right word, but aren't they allowed to step foot on any job site that has an open gate entry? I don't know. I think so. I think that, I think they are allowed to do that, right? Well, I know so, the Ministry of Labor is. Yeah. So, right. yeah, they can just step in as long as the, the gate's yeah. open, they can walk right in. But I thought the same thing with building inspectors. So, I mean, start building those relationships the same way that, listen, why do I stop by? I think he's bringing up his point. I think the reason is because I think there are some GCs, if you, even some good GCs, they may not have everything perfect. Right. And they think that maybe the building inspectors have a direct line of communication to the Ministry of Labor. So if they come along and argument's sake, there's no heater in the toilet. Will they tell MOL that there's no heater on the toilet in this right. job site? And all of a sudden you're going to get a stain, right? So maybe that's why there's a little bit of a, a defense Put on Could by be, GCs. yeah. Some 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 guys may think they're one and the same, right? They do, but I mean, I I know that most building inspectors that I've spoken to, because I get a chance, and I think you should. Everybody should get a chance. Speak to them casually. Yeah, they're human beings in the construction industry. Have a conversation with them. Just yeah. if they talk about a certain detail that you're doing on, and I I've had inspectors ask me, so you're doing that? I've never seen that before. How's that done? I don't know. Can you give me some more information about it? Sure, because I mean we pride ourselves on trying to get new materials, new right. ideas, new new ways that are not necessarily always on the drawings. So I like having those casual conversations. It starts to build a rapport between you two. Right. Instead of being defensive, man. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and I can, I mean, going back to the contractor side too, I mean, I, 
I think you know here you're showing a new you know a, a new idea, which is over and above what the code is. But why should you be penalized for that and you know say oh I'm not going to pass it only because you don't understand it? Yeah. yeah, and it's still there like it works. And I think this is, you know, especially when it comes to renovations and stuff like this. I think this is where you know the inspector has to have a little bit of leniency that. Okay, I get it. Yeah, you're trying to tie the new in with the old or whatever. Yeah, it still works. Um, may not be the what the code says, but yeah, the code's a book. It's not. It's an ever evolving book. It's not book. real life, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So how do we? I know that he's posing that question about you know it is on the bottom of the list. How do we make contractors? We just get them to be a little more friendly or we get them to be a little more open and maybe have that first conversation before the job starts and you're just setting up hoarding illness and like to introduce myself, can you come by the job site, give you a coffee, say hello? Do we well, get them? Well, I to mean, you know what? This is never going to change, but the, the code book is, yeah, let's face it, it's hard to read. It's not riveting reading. No, it's not riveting <laughs> reading. And it's hard to find section this, section that, this, that, everything else. And then you think you've got it. And you oh, no, no, it's on this page, section three. You don't do it. And you go, fuck. Yeah. So, you know what? That's why nobody reads it. It's a puzzle, man. Can you make it simpler? <laughs> can you make, I guess can you make it dummy proof? It's, it's that way because there's so many ways to build a structure. So then they right. have to cover every single way to build a structure. It's not just... We get it that most GCs that are doing custom homes, resi, whatever, it's pretty much the same way all the time. You might change a certain thing. Okay, so this just came to my head, Mr. Smith. Why is, <laughs> why do some of inspectors, even though we have the engineer's approval and mm. the stamp, mm -hmm. why do you still push that it's not the code and you're not going to pass it? When your liability has already been, that would spin the whole idea of bringing engineers in is to take the liability off of me and take the liability off of you. You're not an engineer. He is. That's a good point. So let him take the heat. He's already said it's approved. It's good to go. Away we go. Now, most of the inspectors will ask for the engineer's report and soon we give it to him. Great. Go ahead. But there's been an instant, a couple instances where you know, they just said, I don't care what the engineer report says. Really? Yeah. I haven't yeah. had I that. I do not care what that is. I, I always thought the engineer no. supersede. No, it doesn't really. Yeah. Well, duh. you would think it does. But if you can't get, you know, the blessing from the the building the inspector, inspector. How, how are you supposed to move on? So at that point, what do you do? You go to the building inspector's supervisor and you yeah. say. Yeah, then the shit hits the fan. Yeah, and then, exactly you, then you're yeah. labeled as the asshole contractor. Exactly. When, you know, I mean, so. But you're yeah. just trying to do it. And also, it, by the way, it costs more money to get the engineer involved to actually sign off on this and take that liability. Right. So remember, so I've, I've said this before, remember who's paying you. It's actually the homeowner. And I mean, I'm a homeowner. It's taxpayers' money that's paying you. So yeah. if you're going to constantly slow the job up, do everything, do, like you're costing the client money, not me. Which creating friction between me and the client now because right. I have a schedule to keep. Right. So you're basically putting me in a really bad spot where I've got trades waiting to go and do this and move on. But then you want to question something that's already been approved. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of give and take on both sides. I think we yeah, all just. You know what? And in Mr. Mr. Smith's defense, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to be a little more give and take on our side. I agree. 
You know? I totally agree. Like I said, most of the inspectors are great. It's usually the ones that are a little younger and they, you know, trying to make their, trying to make their spot or their whatever you want to call it, that are just, you know, they've been taught by the book and don't really understand that like the real life, right? So is that really the friction? The friction is that we were taught by the site and they were taught by the book and then there's a confrontation between paper well, think, and I mean, hammer? It's, it's also, you know, here you got a young guy coming out, whatever he is, you know, let's just use the word or the number 30. I'm 60-ish, really old. And, um, <laughs> and if I'm in a cranky, shitty mood and, mm. and I got some kid trying to tell me how to build stuff when I've been doing it for 45 years and you just... You just showed up, and now you're telling me that I'm not doing this right. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be friction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, like, period. <laughs> and then a bunch of older older guys come out of the yeah. woodwork and start like, going, he, you got a problem here? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's not going to stand a chance. So. <laughs> the old guys will start throwing yes. stuff at you, man. No, yeah. no, we all just got to get along. All right, Mr. Smith, That hopefully that answers it or brings up uh, a few. But you got a few questions there from Jim as well, too, so... Let's see what you. No, it's great. You know what? I, and hats off to him to coming on, man. Like that's uh, we should we could get more. It would it would really help. Thank I, you for that. No, no, for sure. Thanks so much. Okay, moving on at black underscore bronco const- underscore construction, Travis D. How or when, and in what way have you guys discovered how to set your pricing, and or is it an ever evolving thing? Great question, and I'd say right off the bat, it's an ever-evolving thing. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use Dan, my business partner's saying. He goes, "Custom house, custom job, <laughs> custom contract, custom pricing." It is. It's all like you. It's, it's. There's no two alike. <laughs> there's no two alike. Have you ever built the same home twice? No. I don't think every any contractor. No. They can look the same, but they're all the guts are different. It's two different projects, two different jobs, yeah. two different material lists, labor lists, two different yeah. everything, right? I think the pricing is ever evolving. I think you have to. I think you've got a base. I think you've got a a skeleton of what you want to start pricing the job yeah, as. You got your framework while yeah. it starts, off. and then you go in and get into details on yeah. every single line item. Yeah, that's what you start doing. That's what I've found over the years. Oh yeah, and then I mean, let's face it now with with everything that's going on, you can't hold your price for any more than a couple months. But we still hold it because oh, we, we try, want the job. Yeah. I, I think you've got to start getting into more detailed pricing too. I think guys are yeah. getting too easy with the blanket pricing. Yeah. And they're thinking, well, I've got, I don't know, 13 different categories here. So I'll just blanket everything, price it. And then I might be high on one. I might be low on another. And it kind of just works its way out. But if you do that, then what if you get 50% of them are on the, the low and then now you're going to have to eat that cost. And then you right. can't start that relationship where you go back to the client and start asking for more funds. you got to let them create that scenario where they need to add more yeah, funds. And, 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 you know, again, it just boils down to, uh, you know, if you don't know, then put it on the, put it on your on your estimate, budget, whatever you want to call it, that you don't know. Yeah. There. This is an allowance because I don't know what's in your head. I'm going to allow this much. But knowing, and I just say, look, I'm going to put a number here just so you have a budget number. But most likely this is going to be, you know, I put, you know, to be determined. I'll give you a scenario, Jim. So I've got a bathroom that I'm currently doing right now. I priced it out just to put Schluter in the shower. And it was a couple of weeks ago, the client came up to me and go, can we just Schluter the whole bathroom? 
So I said, we can. So it's not a steam bath or anything like that. He just wants to schluter the whole bathroom. And it's not a wet area outside where the toilet is, wall-mounted toilet. It's not. So I said, okay, sure. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I going to bill him? Do I bill him for the extra sheets of schluter, which are probably going to cost, I'm going to guess, maybe three or 400 bucks extra. Then the time to do it. And the time to do it. So so maybe you're talking about 500 bucks extra. But what's going on it? Tile? Tile. So the whole thing. So now he's, he's increased it to, he wants the whole thing tiled. He's already agreed to the increase of tile based on square footage and labor costs and everything like that. So I'm fine with that. I'm thinking, I'm in the mindset of I'll eat that extra cost of the Schluter just to kind of keep him happy. And, he, he, and I'll note it. I'll actually literally note. And that's the one thing I've done before is where I'll note where there's been a freebie given. As but a tell result. him, but say no, that. Right? Exactly, yeah. He's aware of it at that point, right? Yeah. So then it keeps a great relationship moving forward. But I also grade. don't understand why he would do it. Some people are particular. You know what I mean? I guess the question is what Like I if do you're going to hose the whole thing yeah, down. That's right? why my first thought was if it was a steam shower yeah. or a steam bathroom or steam whatever, then sure. If you I mean, had, I would do that, you know, because we're doing a lot of bathrooms now where the bathtub and the shower are all, all in the connected. same room. It's all connected now. That makes just, sense. Right? Then you do it. Yeah. This one's going to have a glass panel, no door. So I think his thinking is he just wants to have it all fully waterproof. I yeah. was just going to go moisture board on those areas. Yeah. So moisture board, what is the price of moisture board these days? 20 bucks yeah. versus a trade well, price. You know what? It's here. It's just like we were just talking. About. It's a step up. That's all. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's extra dough, but if you're gonna eat it, and, but make sure the guy knows, man. No, like, totally make him aware. So, I mean, regarding the pricing and how we handle it, I think you should get more detail oriented with every single job that you're presenting. I think you have to. You, you clients are getting more savvy. They're getting more particular. They're asking for large format tile. You keep on, but the thing is, they they're asking for large format anything these days. They're yeah. asking for more intricate mill work. They're asking for you know, like they're always asking more stuff. So I think you've got to be aware of your clients on what they're going to potentially ask for. And like you said, allowances and have that. Yeah. So that's going to fluctuate the price. But educate, educate no, the client. Sure. Let them know that okay, well, we're talking about a living room here that's going to have a coffered ceiling. You guys want it to have it a two-step. You want it to have four profiles. You want it to go with wood and not foam. So here's the factor. Here's the pricing. You got to break it all down. I think the more you get detail-oriented, the better. No, a hundred percent. And I think you know, I'll just jump, maybe take it a little step further. Like if you're talking about moldings and shit like that, and crown moldings. And if you're going to use wood, tell them you you can't find a piece that's 20 feet long. And there's going to be a splice. There's going to be joints, and they're going to open up in the winter. Yeah. And I think you need to be truthful about that because that's usually one thing that comes back to haunt you. You go, oh, you know, it's a shit job. No. Conversation just, was, was yeah, had. Wood lives, breathes, you know, shrinks, does everything. That's, you know, I mean, I, that's why I love plaster. Oh, I agree with you. You You'll go into older homes with plaster. Yeah, you're going to find, I mean, you may get a fine little hairline crack and, you know, but it's easy to fix, right? It's not a big deal. You can go back in there and take care of it. If it's wood, I mean, I I like both. I I lean towards plaster more for that reason, but also it gives you an opportunity to maybe potentially upsell the house. Yeah. And then you can start selling. And it's not that much more. Yeah. I don't think it's that much more. No, no, I think it's you, you, you got to start factoring in. So like you said, yeah. there's a framework. You start breaking it down. And I know that other, and this is not a question that's been asked here, but I know a lot of guys are talking about how you all, oh, you should charge for your estimates and, and all this other stuff. Oh, I'm like, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. And, and you could try to pad it or say that you'll get it later on. But I think that this is part of the job and part of the industry that you got to give up your time to do this. And I yeah. think the more effort you put into it, 
the more potential you're going to get that job. As long as you don't smell that you're just a kicking tire price, right? It's hard. Sometimes you just, you, you can't smell it and you're, and you become that. But at least, you know, maybe you learn from that and take it to the next one. That's all you can do. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's an ever evolving question, man, or a section of the industry, right? Okay, let's move it on, man. This is fun. I like these little. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so Joe Rosselli. Joe. We were just talking to at Rosselli Renovations out of California, right? So, Vejelo in, in the Bay Area there. He's asking, I know both Jim and I chatted with him about an issue he has. What if uh, the client doesn't pay? <laughs> so, that's that classic, what if the client doesn't pay? And I know it's really funny that he spoke to you first. Yeah. And then you couldn't, you had to go, so you cut him off. And then he called me, and he literally got me in between routing. Like, he's like, you better, and I'm like, no, you just literally, I was about to start it. I wouldn't have heard you, but now let's talk, right? So he tells me the scenario, and then we get talking about it. So the scenario was that he did a job, everything's fine. The client's not crazy about the grout. Right. The grout colors change. And he's more than willing to go well, in. Oh, it's a grout color he picked. Yeah, but he says it's not exactly Dry well, different, right? Dry slightly. Yeah. But now the client's using that as a carrot to oh, not pay. 10 grand back. 10 yeah. grand back, right? So then yeah. I started talking to him and I was like, listen, be nice about it. Like I keep thinking, Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse, just be nice. Yeah. Just be nice. You know, you, you know you don't want to be nice, but just be nice about it. And then offer that you'll go in and take care of this, but somehow keep it in writing in an email thread that, you know, I'll come in. It's going to take X amount of days to do it. Nobody can use it while I'm doing this. You're going to have to wait a week before you can use it. Set all these standards and make sure it's all in writing. And then also be clear about compensation for the end of it. But then we got talking more. And then I suggested, you know what? The one thing that clients are not crazy about, and this is what you've taught me, Jim, they don't want their neighbors knowing if they kind of not paid a tradesperson. Oh, somebody, yeah. Yeah, so all of a sudden I said to, to Joe, I said, you know what, in a roundabout casual way, just talk about how you love the neighborhood. You've already had some inquiries about doing some work here in some of the neighbor's homes, and you're really looking forward to staying in the same neighborhood and yeah. talking about construction and building more construction. And basically you're doing that to let this client know conversations are gonna be had about work that you've performed in this area. And that may potentially make this client want to pay you now as a result of that. Because that's the one thing that clients will not want hovering yeah. over themselves. And you, you've experienced this, right, Jim? Yeah, no, even way back on, you know, when we did the show way back. And I actually, I spoke to Joe yesterday and then told him that story. And because when he, when he told me what you told him, I said, well, <laughs> that's why I'm actually calling you back to, to to tell you this, roughly the same thing. And I said, and it did work for me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, you got, I mean. The, You're the, not trying the, to be the, an ass about no, it. No, the shit thing is that you, you, you do have to kind of suck it up and be nice. Yeah. And take the high road. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it does get tough as, as you, you know, as your business goes on and you're, you get further and further and further into it. And there'll be another one like this and another one. And then you just, you finally just get tired of always being, always taking the high road. Negotiating the last payment. And why, right? Everything's been agreed. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, I I mean, he did get five grand, 
which was good. Oh, so he's got some already. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he he got half of it, which is great, and he's going to go back and redo it, and then you know hopefully you know everything will work out and he'll get it. Yeah. But you know he's he's got to you know he's going to do the labor and all that, but at least he's keeping a good relationship with with the client which I think can be worth more money. And I always said, you know what? I, 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 it's how you handle the problem is when the client will actually give you the great recommendation. Yeah, it's true. It's how, it's, it's how you deal with it. Yeah, yeah there, you're going to have some that just don't turn out, period. But there's, uh, then there's the ones that go, you know what? Guy did a great job. You know, Something got messed up, didn't run away, stepped up to the plate, did it without a, without a question. That's why I'd recommend them. That's key. I think that is it's total key. I think it's really important that you, at that point, communicate through emails or whatever, not, not in person, not over the phone, uh, that you want to finish, that you yeah. want to fix it, that you want to handle it. You're not running that away from key. it. Don't be that guy that wants to run away from it because then then they'll hold it. You're right. Because if they step up, then that person might turn around. Where you've had you've had this experience, right, Jim? Yeah. Where a client gave you a glowing review just, and you weren't even expecting that. You didn't yeah. think of anything of it, but you got it. Got it. Yeah. Right. So it's just, yeah, you're right. The way you handle that problem is the way it's gonna work out. So hopefully for Joe that he takes care of it and and they go back and they take care of the final bill and they're happy, right? And you know what? I mean Joe and all the other ones out there, you're going to experience this again, and it's just it's it's too bad. This is just part of the part, part of, of the whatever, business. Part you're you're going to come across more clients like this. Yeah, man. yeah, it sucks, but I mean, I've had my share of them and gone and leaned homes and stuff like that, and uh, you know, had arguments and you know, I think when I first started. Back in the mid '90s, I was doing a, doing a place not not far from my own house. And the guy, the guy, the husband was kind of a knob. Well, not kind of. He was a total knob. <laughs> Thank all you he, for tuning uh, in to Jim's therapy session. Jim's right there, now. You know, he all he did was ever just drink beer and tell his wife what to do and Uh-oh. tell us what to do. And then, so at the end of it, we came down to the end, and I was getting my final bill and sitting across the table from him. And he was sitting there with a big mug of beer. And he goes, uh, I added up all the cutoffs outside. I said, excuse me? The, the framing, the wood offcuts? Yeah. He goes, okay. I added all those up. I said, what, the 10-inch pieces and, you know, all the, He goes, yeah. And he goes, I know how much they are a foot. So I'm going to take really? that off your bill. And how much we were talking about here? Oh, like he was like up to, I don't know what it was, five, six, maybe. It was under a thousand bucks. And I go, you're serious? Wow. He goes, yeah. You shouldn't have thrown them out. I go, dude, this is like part of the thing. And his wife is looking at him and looking at me, knowing he's completely out of his mind. Yeah. And we got into an argument. (laughs) And it was the first time I actually got physical. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) It got to that point? Oh yeah, yeah. He he started on no he, cameras. He said no, 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 no. This is back in the nineties, <laughs> and he started on me, and he and he was a, he was a big big dude, and he was sitting across the table against the wall, and he got up to come at me. I jammed the I grabbed the table and I jammed him against the wall. <laughs> 
And, uh, and it, I mean, he wasn't swinging at me, but I knew it was coming. And I just said, you know what? Keep your goddamn money. This is bullshit. And then I, I left. She came over the next day with the check. And she goes, I just apologize for the whole thing. The voice of reason. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think she's ever stayed with him again, but he was just like a total. What a douche, huh? Yeah, there was one time, you know, we were we were up the we had a big windstorm and we were doing the framing and um, and I didn't live far and she called she goes Jim Jim there's water coming in the house you know the the tarps are blowing off and so I go rushing over and you know go into the new addition and sure enough I'm reaching out a window trying so is she trying to reach and grab this thing and he's standing down at the bottom of the stairs in the house with his beard yeah no you can get that man wow can you no fuck get that. Wow, a real man, huh? Oh, yeah, right, exactly, right? No. Yeah, no, that was the first and last time of that shit. So, so, you, so you got to shove him, and you got the check. I got the check, though. <laughs> yeah, his wife actually brought the check over to my house the next day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on. At Brock.peel, he asked, oh, we're going to go to take oh, the DeLorean. I spoke to Brock, yeah. Man. Did you? You spoke yeah, to Brock? yeah. Uh, all these guys are calling out now, eh? Jesus. Uh, he's asking, you're 25 and you have to start all over again. What's the first thing you would do? And maybe what's uh, what would you do the same and differently from the path you did take? It's hmm. an interesting question. Yeah, you know what? I mean, um, and him and I already spoke. You know, I think starting off small, obviously, like I tell everybody, just, you know, do the small stuff. The, you know, the... The numbers are better, obviously, but he's he he's done pretty well. Yeah, already. I mean, he's got a couple properties already. Nice for his age, and so yeah. I mean, I'm you know, hats off to him, man. Like he's uh, he's he's got a good start, ready to go. You know what? I don't know what I would do different. You know what I would do different? I would not rush into wanting to do a massive build so quickly. And and that's what I kind of said to him, and uh, you know, I said this over and over again. Like, just start small, get your feet wet, you know. And as you as you grow, you will grow, and then your not only knowledge will grow, but you know, you'll you'll get a bigger set of balls, and you'll be willing to you know to take take it on, right? Then you'll be ready for those builds. And you'll be ready. For, yeah, you got to be mentally ready because you're gonna look at you know financially look at the number and it's going to scare the shit out of you. Yeah. Cause you think, you know, what if I lose that? So it's, it's a, it's a mental leap for sure. It's funny. Mike from Integra Bell, he was saying the same thing. He was like, million dollar jobs make me nervous, man. They make like, they scare the shit out of me, man. And I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Cause they, they do, they do. They do. That's the truth. Because if it does go wrong, then yeah. what do you do? Right. Yeah. You're doing a hundred thousand dollar rental and it goes wrong, you can kind of salvage that. Well, you know what? I mean, what I would do, and I, I, you know, I said this to Joe the other day too, something that you know, we're doing more of is once you get the deal signed, get a security deposit. But that security deposit does not get drawn on until near the end. Got it. All right. Then that'll protect you a little bit. Just Some people case. will be a little leery about giving it. Yeah. What uh, percentage are we talking about here? I'd get, you know, I'd get five, ten points. Okay. You know, so then ten you would that. be nice. Just in case. We do that. I mean, on a million, two million dollar job, we want ten percent. Put two hundred in, and that goes 
off into another account and it does not get touched until we get near the end. So either we give you some back or, you know, you use up the last couple months and we just draw. That's actually a good move. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, at least you got something, right? Well, like, you know, both. just going back to like with Joe, right? I mean, if he had, even if he had three or four grand, it's not that bad of a hit. Then maybe you can put up a little, not that you want to, but we, you know, no, I won't even say that. You just deal it the same way. Be the nice guy, finish it up. Cause it, but it's a smaller amount at the end it's now a smaller instead amount, yeah. of, because I mean, like 10 grand is nothing to just shug your shoulder at. That's I mean, a lot of money, man. Even five grand, that's still a lot Any, of money. A thousand bucks is a lot of it's money. It's a lot of money, that's it. You're right? on your hands and knees working, it's a fucking yeah. lot of money. And that's the shitty thing, and I told him that too. It's like, you've already done the work, they yeah. already have it, so it's theirs, but you don't have the money. No. And that's no. where it is. But yeah, I, think, I like the security. I mean, the other thing is, um, I don't know what else I would do. I, I guess differently, I would, uh, you know what the one thing I probably did a lot of mistakes on? I trusted a lot of trades way too early. Yeah. I trusted that they would do just as good a job as I wanted to do. And they didn't. Right. And then you get into that confrontation where going, well, that's not what the bill of goods I bought from you was sold. And now you're leaving me. And I, I used to have a saying in my first or second year, I used to say, listen, if I have hired you as a sub and I got to pick my tools to fix things that you didn't do properly, then I didn't really hire a sub. I could have just did it myself. Right. So I think I would have been a lot less trustworthy in the beginning and just a little bit more upfront. And if I hurt your feelings, then I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. But then at least we got it out and we discussed. And this yeah. is the expectations I was expecting here from you. And that kind of get me like, oh, you're too picky, Manny. That was the mentality. You're too picky, right? And I'm like, am I? I don't know. I, don't I, was, know. I yeah. was trying to do a better job at that time. So I don't know what else. If I uh, hopped into the DeLorean and drove back and went to 25 and... Yeah, no, I, 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 that's actually a good one. I mean, you... But it all boils down to building your team again. You got to trust yeah. them. You're right, because I, I was, you know, I was... And still am, you know, I... I think most people are honest and and trustworthy sure um and i truly believe that and does it get me in trouble sometimes sure yeah, for sure it does <laughs> but um i still have to i still have to go with that because I just, it would be really shitty if humanity going you always gotta right. have a sense of hope man right Something. yeah but uh, you know i i i i think that's a that's a it's a good um thing to you know to do not and maybe it's not maybe not trust is maybe that's not the word maybe just let me see what their ability is first yeah. well, you know let, you before know, i give them my full full yeah i trust you i don't have to hang over you and, and do it right and watch right the other key thing I and would, you shouldn't have to because they are a professional sub trainer. well that's what they're telling you that they right. are like you've seen professional sub trades and you've seen professional sub trades right you know what i mean and, and that's I, i've seen millwork guys come in here and, and tell me yeah i know how to do this i know how to do this i know how to do this and i've seen a kid spend six hours building a jig for a door not hang a single door in six hours and i'm going listen this ain't gonna work this is, <laughs> you should be <laughs> out of here i'm not now. paying you six hours to build a jig here no. no 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 this is i didn't spring oh by the way do a door for me no 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 this was the scope of work yeah so i i think um the other thing i would suggest is that i would get on my paperwork game 
a lot earlier. Earlier, for sure. I would totally understand because a lot of guys, including myself in the beginning, didn't realize that building is half. Building the business is the other half. Yeah. And if you just ignore the paperwork and you ignore that, that paper well, trail. Collecting. Collecting, all that stuff. You, if you ignore that and just focus on yeah. the building. We're the worst business for yeah, not collecting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you want it, you need it, like, two months ago and then they're not coughing it up real yeah. quick. That's your own fault. So stay on the paperwork. Like I, we have trades right now, some trades that don't bill for months and we've closed the job. Cause they're not on their paperwork. Like, like we get, you know, that, that really messes everything. Your up. bookkeeping. So why, your stuff. if you're not interested in getting paid, and I've closed the job, and I, as far as I'm concerned, this is what it's done. It's closed, it's put away, never to see again. Like, if you come to me a year later and go, oh, by the way, you owe me four grand for this. Sorry, man. No, like, why didn't you come when it was done? When you finished it. Clearly, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to you. No. I mean, we have, I mean, we pay them, but, I, you know, do I want to? No. I said, you know, it's the only way you're going to learn is to fucking get on it. Right. I think the other thing I'd also do is, and I did this unconsciously, where I would just always hang out and watch other trades to do their job. And I wasn't doing it so then I can take your job, right? right? I was just doing it because I wanted to learn for myself. But I would actually make more mental notes on certain key things that were being done by electricians, HVAC, plumbers, and right. maybe read up on it more. I would actually just take, you know, every year you're doing jobs or whatever, maybe learn a little bit more about that trade. Right. So you have that knowledge that's also book smarts inclu included with the, the job site smarts. Yeah. And then you're, I mean, I mean, which is good because then you can, you know, see, foresee what, yeah. they, maybe what they're going to run into and say, hey. I'll prepare for that. Right. Hey, Joe, this isn't going to work right now because this is where you're heading. You know, oh, thanks, man. I didn't see that coming. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, I think having a little bit of knowledge of especially as a GC, you have a little bit of knowledge of, uh, of, of the trades and how it's supposed to be done. But you're only going to get that as you... As you keep on doing more you, jobs. Yeah, right. That's all it experience. is. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, that was uh, Brock. Thank you very much at brock.peel. And then Jamie. Jamie at Rabin. Rabin built. Jamie's asking. He's a... Uh, hey, Manny and Jim. Question for you too. I am a sole proprietor renovation company. I am wondering if it makes sense for me to become incorporated. Would it be a large tax benefit? I have asked a few people, but there are some for it and some against. What are your thoughts? And by the way, who ditched their boat last week's episode? Love to know. Didn't name a name. Anybody on that podcast? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> well, it's a two-parter. <laughs> so let's first talk about incorporation versus sole proprietorship. You know what? I was sole proprietor for a long time, and then and then my accountant said I should, you know, I should incorporate more so for liability yeah protection protection yeah so then you know if you're going to get sued then the corporation gets sued it's not you so in that case you know as i didn't do it until i started to get into the into my uh you know into the millions of dollars a year of of work do you want to do it when you're only you know doing a couple hundred i don't know i mean Tax-wise, yeah, does tax it benefit wise. you? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it does. But, I mean, I, I always looked at it more as a liability. not a, a, Sorry, not a liability, but 
to protect me. That's the primary reason. Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't cost you much to do it. You know, maybe cost you a thousand bucks to set up in the corporation. And then you're done. And then you're done. Yeah. Now you gotta, you have to file corp tax, all that stuff every year. But so would you, if you're individual tradespeople, because I mean, he's, he's a millwork guy. I think he's a millwork guy. But the thing is, what if you were individual trades? You're an individual plumber, electrician, HVAC. Would you still incorporate your business? Does it make sense? Well, to me, again, if I'm looking to be protected, sure, maybe you do a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a as a plumber. But yeah. if you burn somebody's house down, I guess that's liability insurance, so that's covered. We're insured to death. We're covered on yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right? no, I don't know. I mean, it's it's like he said. Like some people are for it, some people are against it. As you get bigger, you, I, I think it's uh, it's something that you should do. Cover your ass. That's yeah. all. I like mean, it doesn't cost you that much to do it. No. And you know, if you're up and you're doing a couple million dollars a year, I, it's it's no big deal. Yeah. But it's also too. I mean, you don't have to take the money out of the corporation. And then you're only, you know, you're taxed. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a lot less, like 20, 15, 20%. Yeah. yeah. So, there so there's are some tax, tax benefits yeah. to you. Yeah. And then, but then there's that, that rabbit hole where we get into where you don't take a wage, right? So all of a sudden, right. you know, technically speaking, according to the tax man, you only made X amount of money. You're worth nothing on the credit scale, right? right. So then don't get into that trap where if you do go incorporated, still treat yourself as an employee of the incorporation sure. yep. and take that wage, right? Yeah. Yep. But but you have that protection, that liability protection from if something happens. And you can and I think, I mean I don't take this to the bank, but maybe ask the um, your accountant if there's money in the corporation and you needed to borrow money, you could borrow that money. Yeah. And once you're finished with it, you can put it back in it and you're not penalized for it. So there's that's the benefits. I think yeah. what you do is speak to your accountant, pros and cons on both sides, and just try to figure out, okay, does it make sense for me to do it now? I think I but I think every tradesperson eventually should consider doing it. Yeah. At some I point. So. I think so. You get to a certain point, all of a sudden, what if you rake it in two hundred bills? You know what I mean? Every single year. Start considering it just in case. Yeah, no, I think for sure. For sure. Okay, then he's got part two of the question. Oh, well, I, you know, you, <laughs> we're, uh, not, Jamie, we're, we're uh, not gonna say. Jamie, I will just say that every time I see this individual, it makes me wanna order some magic erasers. That's okay, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> so if that gives you a clue, we're on supposed who to we're, be nice. Yeah, we're supposed to be, we're, we're trying to turn a leaf here. That's all it is. Yeah. But more uh, so you. <laughs> <laughs> According to therapy sessions, yes, more so me. Uh, the other note is someone brought up a few comments to me about the Toronto Hydro thing and how, you know, a lot of these guys have this really hate, hate relationship with Toronto Hydro and ESA, how they walk on job sites thinking that their shit don't stink. Like (laughs) they own the whole job site and we finally got that approval. Yeah. So my question to you, Jim, and I wanted to pose this because a lot of guys were, it was funny. It was ironic. They were listening to the show while I did the story on the job site that was going on with Toronto Hydro arriving to do it, a subcontractor of Toronto Hydro. They arrived on site, and here's my question. They arrived on site, and they said, technically speaking, we don't need to vac dig. They can open up the meter base, and we'll disconnect it, and then your electrician can do the work. Everything's safe. But technically, we don't need to vac. 
the client has paid for the VAC, $2,000. To who? To Toronto Hydro, who's hired the subcontractor. Oh. As tradespeople, we get the subcontractor there, and they say, listen, I don't need to dig, man. I can do this. We're all fine. Client came up to me afterwards and said, should I note this? Should I go back to Toronto Hydro saying that this was an isolation just on a meter base and it was, we didn't really need the vac dig. So who said they needed the vac dig? The Toronto, Toronto Hydro, Hydro, of course. Yeah. So they made an extra $1,600 from a regular isolation. But here's the thing. Are the vac, the subcontractor guys going to get a warning because they did dig a little bit, take, took a picture, but then they didn't really do the isolation. They didn't splice it. They didn't cut the cable, the live cable. They just disconnected the meter at the base. So they, they went against the work order, but it's still safe. And the, que- the client was questioning, should I make a stink about this? And we all discussed it between myself, the electrician, and the client. And we just said, you know, what's probably going to happen is the finger is going to get pointed at the subtrade for not doing the scope of work, but actually making our lives a lot easier because it would have taken longer to dig and have a person down there do the splice, do everything as per book. But they made it faster, and then the transfer of the panel was like done in half the time that we were anticipating. So does the client go, okay, I'm not going to make a stink about this because it's 1600 bucks, and then they're going to get a warning, and then next time that it might get drawn out for somebody else, and then they are going to do everything by the book, and then it's going to get dragged out. So that's my question is like, I don't think the client should make a stink about it. I think he should just eat the 1600 The guys were nice enough to offer that. Listen, guys, I can do this a lot faster this way. It's perfectly safe. Nobody's going to get in trouble. But they were going against the scope of work. They're still going to get paid. They st- that's exactly. And that's the reason why they dug a little bit to photograph it, to submit it, so then they can get paid. Right. But then that's where we get into the whole political side where Toronto Hydro is charging X amount. We don't know what the subs are charging. Right. So did Toronto Hydro ever come out? No. They, so, did, they did the mar- locates. So they located where the cable was. And, where and they then did- just assumed. Because that's no, no. usually it's just assumed. Okay, uh, yeah, well, well, they put three markers on and then the guys dug. And then sure enough, three feet down, which I was surprised. Three feet down and all of a sudden you're seeing live cables there. And there's no splice. So they would have to actually cut a live cable to disconnect that's this one house, right? right? But to do that, you'd have to dig. So they dug like a two foot by three foot hole, but you'd have to dig probably a six by six for a man to go down there to do the work. Right. That would have taken longer and it would have been by the book, but they opened up the meter base and there was more than enough space that they can pull out the live wire. Nobody gets hurt. The work is done. Reconnect the live wire. And then we move on. Yeah. So what would you do in that situation? Yeah, I'd probably leave it alone. Leave it alone, right? Yeah. That's well, how we all felt. You got it done in record time. Exactly. So, right? <laughs> exactly. They, they actually waited too. So the guys waited, which was nice. For the know, electrician? To finish the panel. And then they sat oh. in their truck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where Normally days, we're... Right? Exactly. They take off and then they come back at the end of the day. And then we would... But we had power back up like in two and a half hours. We that's had power brilliant. Back. Yeah. No, you can't really see. So at first it was funny on the outside, the client was like, I really want to make us think about this. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if the electrician's going to get a warning from the ESA. I'm not sure if the guys who did the sub are going to get a warning, but I just, I get a sense that there's going to be a warning issued if you actually say something as a result of this. 
He Maybe. opted to, after we spoke there, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. The work was done. It was done fast. We got power back in the house. It was all good. They were nice enough to sit around and wait. Yeah, no. So sure. No, that's so I think that's where the brotherhood comes in. Yeah. They respected it. And I, and I literally, I think that it would have taken less time for them to do what they did it this way and sat and waited. Yeah. Than if they did it the proper by the book way. Wait, yeah. Again, another scenario where it's like book versus on site. But there's so many hands in it. That's the problem. That's the problem. But we weren't getting our answers either. And emails and phone calls were being submitted to this individual. And, at uh, Toronto Hydro. At Toronto Hydro. And it just, he wasn't responding back. He wasn't acknowledging it. And all of a sudden, it, just, it turned into a four-week fiasco, right? Where there was a two-week lull on the job site as a result. Now we're back on track. Now right. we're back on scheduling other things. But of course, it's all blamed on the COVID, right? Well, I, that was brought up. It yeah. was brought up that it was t- things are taking longer and all this other stuff. And so I thought that was an interesting little angle. So I just want to let everybody know that that's how it all worked out. Yeah. And then, uh, hey, wait a minute. Oh, I just got a message right now from Nick Andrew. <laughs> oh, sorry. Nick Andrew. So uh, I, this is funny. He's just sending me a message this morning. So he wants to send you swag there, Jim. So uh-huh. Nick's going to like this because he's listening to us right now. And he goes, I love episode number 126, which is last week's, right? And so, Nick, you're getting another shout out, and he's asking for your size, man. That's all. What are we getting? What uh, is it? What, what is he asking you? Uh, thanks for the shout out. I got a couple of stickers here. I'll tell everyone they need to listen up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The advice, the knowledge, the variety of guests. Uh, you have to ask Jim if you need a longer version. What is it about hard work and for carrying? What do you mean a longer version? From a 34 year old self employed contractor, family man with two little kids. I don't even know what he was talking about here. What's a longer version mean? I don't know. I got to ask him about that longer version. Oh, Nick, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny, man. So now, okay, we're trying to make it all digital going on here. And then what else, what else we got going on here? So one last note, John Young out of Texas, he was getting a little frustrated from listening to some of the shows because some people start speaking a little softer. Okay. But I mean, like, I, I, we always try our best, man, to just get everybody speaking loud. So then he was like, oh, I'm listening to you guys. And all of a sudden someone gets soft and then the phone rings and it's like loud. And then <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, John, you just got to ride it and just kind of everyone just gets emotional and they just kind of ride their their yeah. inflections. That's all it is. When they're telling the stories, they ride their inflections. Right. But we appreciate you listening down in Texas there, man. Yeah, so, man, for sure. And where then, in Texas. Uh, he doesn't say where in Texas. So he's just in te- John Young out nice, of Texas. Nice. Right. That's all he's asking us, right? And that's that's all the questions there. I just got one note to bring up at the end there, but I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah, no, I think this is, you know, I mean, we can get, you know, get everything answered and at least hand out our advice or our experiences more than anything, I think. And, you know, I mean, that's where we learn. It's through our experiences and hopefully with my experiences and your experiences, <laughs> These guys won't have to experience it. <laughs> no, they'll make their own experiences, man. Exactly. So, so yeah, yeah, we want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank you for the questions. Please, guys, keep on sending us some questions, uh, more questions, more scenarios. Give us these these hiccups or whatever. Something's going to come up, and we'll answer it to the best of our knowledge. And then also, guys, reach out to me, and I'll send you stickers. I don't care where in the world. I will send you a sticker. I'll mail it out to you guys, and if you guys can tag the sticker, please tag the sticker. Uh, the one thing I do want to note here, I notice I've been noticing, Jim, I don't know if you've been noticing from the young guys. The young guys I find are physically hurting a lot easier these days. Like I'm seeing guys in their late 20s, early 30s going, mm, my back's a little sore. 
my shoulder's a little sore. Really? And I'm like, dude, I'm twice your age, man. Like, you need to, like, you have to start preparing yourself here. So the thing is, I, I just read something recently, and I've always been telling guys for the last few years, learn how to stretch, man. Learn your stretching. That's all I'm saying. And I'm, I'm just going to tell all the listeners out there, listen, look into Radio Tasso. Radio Tasso. It's actually morning stretches. You guys, trust me, will love it. And it'll help you fix little bumps and bruises, whatever, on your body. And it's like a five-minute routine. And it, it just helps you stretch your rotary cuff. It helps you stretch your lower back. It helps you stretch your hamstrings. It's just simple exercises that you can do. Japanese people have been doing this for a long, long time. And it actually benefits them well into their old, old, old age. So you young guys, trust me, you may not think that you need to stretch. But please, you want to stretch, man. It's important because you want to be an older guy that doesn't want to have all these aches and pains, man. So I'm just asking, guys, just check it out. Radio Tasso. Jim, what's going on there? I'm I'm just I'm just, I'm just reading from Nick Andrew. But he's just oh, and he sent you a message too. What is he saying? He just said it's a full on here. <laughs> Here, you read. I can't, it, it's, like, it's hard for me to read it. What's he saying? Is it the same message that he sent me? We need a producer here, man. I That's know, need, right? Eh? So Nick is saying, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Well, sir, your wisdom strikes again in episode 126 this week with Manny. This winter has been a tough one. We didn't end up getting the basement rental. Their budget was too low to complete what they wanted, and they decided to not do any of it. Priced three other options for them and couldn't get on the same page with them. Designed and priced another basement rental and again came in at about double their budget. Starting to think, it is it is it me valuing my work too high? But when I realized, uh, when I really analyzed numbers, I couldn't physically do it for less. I was again asked to come and help build kitchens from the friend of mine, but to come as a sub trade, I had to accept it with. Nothing on the books. My wife reasoned that maybe I need to view myself as a person being asked to partner up. It's been just over a month and listening to your show yesterday in the shop with the sawdust flying and finding my groove, it clicked. I'm not making big money. I'm making weekly wage. I've been learning a ton and my friend and I have seen a lot of potential. He has been able to accept more work with seeing what we can do in just a short time we have in 2020 almost booked up. Finances are tight. Lost last week. Both our cars broke down. Nick, you're having a rough start Jesus. of the year, eh? Uh, all the semi-annual bills came in the mail. Should we be like offered? Like, should we be <laughs> sharing all this? Nick, I apologize for sharing all this, man. So we okay. So we've reached out to but get. But don't this. feel bad. I mean, this, this is the shit that happens. You're you're in the same boat. We've all in the same boat, man. We've reached out to get some small business grants, but I haven't heard back. On it, stress, but again, listening to the show, you help reassure that there are going to be the constant up and downs. I don't feel at this point I'm worth my money, worth more money hourly, so I can't in good faith ask. I sent in my mind, I'm going to help this business and learn this trade. So in time, when I learn more, gain the confidence and respect, I want that to prove my, my wage, my income, I deserve and position within a partnership. Verbal diarrhea again, I'm sorry, but thanks to you and Manny, it allowed my wife and I to see a bigger picture and weather the storms of this winter. How do you want to answer that one? Nick, thank you so much for Nick, this long yeah, story, yeah, man. I mean, that's, um, 
Yeah, you're bearing your soul, brother. I mean, Jesus. And, and, and don't think that we haven't been there. I've been in the exact spot. We both, everybody and, we yeah, know. And, uh, and it's a shit spot to be in. But obviously I got out of it. And it sounds like just listening, listening to, uh, to what you said, you, you're going to get out of this, man. You've got the right attitude. He's hungry. You're, he's hungry, man. And he's got the right attitude. You're going to, you, you know, you're, it sounds like you're just, you're just in a shit spot. And we've all been in it, dude. I don't know what else to say other than just suck it up. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. You are worth your money, and you're probably worth yes. more. But you're learning also, and you're you're learning. And and you know what? Just learn from this because you have to learn to adapt. In the future, we're not out. All years aren't going to be great. There are going to be dips in the economy where you're going to have to really hunker down and. Uh, and make it uh, and make it work. Looking for the grants and all that kind of stuff. There are things through the bank right now that that you can get that the government's offering. The bank usually is uh, is the one that's uh, offering the uh, the forty thousand or whatever to small. There's lots of things, and even I I've, yeah. I've looked into them and checked them out. But I was going to also say to Nick that um, yeah, guys are thinking that you're too expensive, but maybe you just keep on looking for people that are going to finally find find your value. That's just the bottom line, right? So you got to keep on waiting until you do get it. It's I guess it's kind of try to like it's it's like trying to find those good guys to work with. You know what I mean? Like you are going to go through a bunch of bad apples that are not going to get along with you and they're going to do crappy work and then you're left as a GC to take care of everything and then all of a sudden I paid them X amount to do this and now it's bad work, but eventually you'll find somebody that's going to do great work for you. And then they'll, the value will be there. So I think that you don't keep lowering your value. I think you keep searching for your clients, man. Yeah, for sure. You got it. You got to know in your head, in your heart that you're, you're worth that. And don't let, again, you know, don't let somebody beat you down and, and think you're not worth that. You know, I, I, I said this to, uh, to Joe, you know, he was kind of going through the same thing when he was sitting with clients. And I said, you, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta know when to get up and walk away and just say, look, this isn't going to work for me. Kenny Rogers. Um, there you go, man. <laughs> and, um, you know, if, if, if you're at 10,000 and they, you know, they're telling you they have some guy at five and, you know, I think you just fold up your, fold up your book and you just get up and politely say, you know what, I need, ten thousand dollars in order to do a, gr a great job for you and i'm sorry i i can't do it for that kind of money and you know and then you get up and walk away 75 percent of the time they're going to call you back it's true but as you cheesy as to, it is right, yeah. you have to you have to learn to do that and it's not easy trust me especially when you're starting out you and you, you got want, bills you piling up and you need work and, yeah you know, you just do anything to, to make ends meet. And and maybe you would have to do that. I had to do it. I did it for years just to put food on the table and, you know, barely pay the bills. And, um, you know, sounds like the same thing. I had an old van that I bought for, you know, 700 bucks. And that's what I used for three years because I couldn't afford anything else. But once it got going, once the name got going, once you get building confidence, you're, you know, you're okay. It's a and it's a of, shit year. It, yeah. And let's just face it. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a shit year mentally for everybody. And I think that's, you know, 
mental health issues are playing a big role yeah. in in every every industry ours you know and it's just you got to um yeah I, I, it's it's hard man i can tell you i mean i'm i have my you know my moments with you know with with this whole thing that's going on too that um you know i can't see you know people that i'm used to seeing and restrictions that are on all of us and um it's a shit time and then but it sounds like you can pull this off man so i wouldn't uh I wouldn't worry too much yeah, about just, it. Yeah, just keep going. Work on, you know, work on some more, see if you can get any more grants or work, you know, work with your bank. And, you know, it sounds like you're working with your buddy and that's working out okay. And if it means, you know, a partnership. Then consider it. Consider it. And it should be considered now if you feel that you've, you know, your contribution to the uh, to the business is, is there, man. Like, for yeah. sure. Get it on the table. At least, at least get the talk going. You know, I mean, at least what you did was that you walked in, you submitted these quotes, you broke down your pricing. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. If you drop it, you're not making money. And then there's that question that we all ask ourselves is that you can drop it to a point where I could just stay home and not make any money yeah. and not lose yeah. this. So what's the point of doing that? I want to do the job because I'm passionate about the work. But if I have to lower it to a point where I'm not making any money from it, then that makes no sense. And maybe your subs are making money, but then you're not running a business. And we right. talked about this on the last show where you still have to look at your profitability. You still have to look yeah. at your percentage points, right? you got to factor that in. So if your numbers are there, the clients are not looking at three of equal contractors. They're looking no. at yourself and two other guys that are probably going to do a bunch of shortcuts. Right. But you know what? I mean, also, Nick, look at it this way. There's other guys in the same boat as you but maybe they're not as mentally strong as you and they will drop their price and do everything just, just to get a job. You can do that. And I'm not saying that you, you, you know, if you're really struggling, you shouldn't do that. If you feel that you're already, you know, with this, with this quasi partnership you got with your buddy and it's going places and you are making ends meet you know, just, just stick to what you're doing, man. You, you know, it sounds like you got a strong mind anyway. The other thing I would probably suggest is um, go back to the beginning, man. Go look for those really, really tiny, tiny jobs, the ones that you maybe can pull off and they'll keep you busy for two, three days of the week or something. Yeah. Do something simple. Try to reach out to some past clients and see if they want something simple done that you'll handle, you'll take care of. Yeah. And you or... Can, or Go work for a bigger GC. That, that's another option too. But it's funny is that recently I've been reached out by a few guys yeah. asking, right? So I, I, I think that Nick's not the only one, like you said. No. no, we're all in this. We've all been in this situation. And guys that are working really heavily and there's a lot of work going on for some guys, great. Hats off to you guys. But there yeah. are some guys who are struggling, trying to put some stuff together. For sure. But I mean, I, I would say like when you can and you've got your downtime, don't look at the negatives, look at the positives and think about, okay, where else can I go? Can I go back to my grassroots? Can I, yeah. I don't know, someone, client looking to do just a real quick remodel of a powder room or something, just wallpaper, I don't know, anything. Just And just make those phone calls, shoot those emails, just say a friendly reminder where you're not looking for work directly. You're just saying, you know what? Hey guys, hello, I'm out here. That's all yeah. it is, right? And just see, you never know. Someone might be thinking, you know what? We were just thinking about doing something. And then, you know what? Would you want to price this out? And you never know. That might work. That might get yeah, somebody Nick, to you. Know contact what? You know what? Hook up with some real estate agents. 
that sometimes little houses, you know, the houses that are being sold need those a younger need. designers that you mentioned last time. Yeah, reach that, out to them, find out where they're on social media, and just yeah. talk to them. Tell them who you are. Introduce yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of guys got to start doing some more, uh, some pavement pounding, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why it's, I I think you know if you hook up with a couple of real estate agents, you know, the house always needs to be painted or a couple yes. little things done here. There's always a couple thousand bucks that needs to be done before they want to put it up for sale. You can get in with a couple couple agents and and get that going. And doors open in the least expected places. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then you know, once an opportunity is uh, is presented, I mean, it's that's your choice to to take that take that shot at the opportunity so that was funny you just snuck it in there yeah eh, nick <laughs> yeah yeah nice one i just happened to look at it and I go, oh, all right there you go he sent you a story he sent me a couple of ones there and i was like what's going on here i guess he was just rambling on no thank nick thanks so much for sending the message right so again everyone please continue to send these messages i don't know is there anything else you want to share there jim I think that's good, right? I mean, uh, I think we covered a lot. We definitely covered everything that there's was a, asked. There's a wide us. range, you know, a wide yeah. range of, of topics, and there's still a bunch more stuff that are going on. But, yeah, we're going to have more guests back on the show. We've got some stuff that's scheduled up. Do you know what? I kind of like this format. Yeah. Would, you know, guys build, you know, send in the questions because then we can, um, you know, then we can really get into them right and yeah you know and again it's going to be answered from our experience it may not be right uh, it may not be right it, it may not work for you in your scenario no but no. We, we would like to think that some of it will work some i'm hoping work or I'm, there's you know there's options i think that's it man all right brother I want to wrap it up it's saturday it's not snowing saturday yet, which is not great. yet it's coming so everybody will hear this on wednesday it's valentine's day tomorrow i gotta go get some stuff <laughs> You're one of those? No, I've already, no, I'm on my... That's I, the one day I've got it already that done. I don't do anything, man. I stay Are away from that. I, In my entire life, I have not one time ever done anything on February 14th. Not once in oh my, my life. God. If I, I refuse. You, I refuse to do it because my line, you guys can write this one down. You can write it down. Let's hear it. I do something the other 364 days. Oh, <laughs> This is one day that my girlfriend will, it's her favorite day. Really? It's oh. her Christmas? Her Super Bowl? Yeah. Her house is covered right now. Her in hearts? In gigantic pillow hearts, big red lips, pink lips. Why don't you take a picture of that and post it, man? I should. I got tomorrow. it. You know what? I got to do that. Post say, it tomorrow. This is Valentine's Day. <laughs> At the Carrick household. Oh my God. It's crazy crazy but this is her favorite day really yeah not her birthday nothing at no, valentine's day that's interesting yeah i haven't met a woman who always felt that it was their favorite day favorite day if i ever forgot that day i'd be done it's not that i don't forget it i just don't acknowledge it <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference at my age man so all right guys thank you so much for listening please keep on sending the messages thank you very much jim again always yep. a pleasure thank man you. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, everybody. Well, you guys are listening to us on Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks, yeah. man. See you guys. See ya. Bye.